Okay, welcome to another Burial USA podcast. This is Alan. I'm joined by Zach and Robin. We're recording this on um, a Wednesday where we don't actually know if there's going to be Liga football on the weekend. We already had the somewhat bizarre sight of uh, matches played behind closed doors yesterday, both at Abar in the league and in the Mastaya, um in the Champions League. Um, but we're nonetheless going to act as though nothing is going on in the world at large other than other than the most um, important topic that, that all three of us have in common, which is Javi Kaleha and Virial, right? <laughs> so, so who wants to jump in and, and talk about Leganes and the match on the weekend? Well, uh, yeah, I'll let Zach go on this one. I'm happy for him to go. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, don't all jump. Don't both jump in at once. Okay, Zach. Leganes was arguably the least talented team in the league before Christmas. What little talent they had got stolen by bigger clubs. Their offense is abysmal, and we gave up two goals to them. I just, I don't, there's no way to sugarcoat that. There's no way to spin that to, to a positive. It's, it's embarrassing. It's horrible. And it's frankly, I think indicative of the way the team's been playing for about a month and a half now. Robin? I'm kind of inclined to very much agree with you that. Um, the, the first half, to be honest, was spectacular to watch. I thought we were incredibly a really good side. It looked like it was going to really drill down to be a really fantastic game. Uh, I remember all the commentators and everyone saying that like the first half was great and we were looking fantastic. Nice goal by Gerard. Fantastic goal, uh, cross from Santi. And then, yeah, as Zach said, it was just, it was just absolutely abysmal and I certainly don't think we deserve to lose the game. I, the only thing I could say with Leganis's goal was absolutely nothing you could do about that goal. Fair play to him. It was an incredible goal. Um, I mean, possibly could have defended, got more bodies in the way of it. Um, but I don't think there was anything we could do about that goal. Penalty wise, probably was a penalty to fair Pau Torres. I think it was just down to a lack of experience, but you never ever go down like that, um, as a defender. So I think he, I don't know what happened. I don't know if he saw red or something like that. Um, but yeah, so that was horrific, but it was, as I agree, agree with Zach, it was completely embarrassing that second half. We, we should have been, we should have finished the game in the first half. Moy, incredibly wasteful. And Gerard, some kind of, some weird shots. Even Trigueros had some odd shots that just skyrocketed. So we just certainly just did not finish the game in, in, uh, finish the game off in the first half and we should have done. Um, it was, it was embarrassing. And like Stack said, he can't really make it sound any better than it was because there was certainly nothing to say positive about it in the second half. I think that's the thing that um, concerned me the most about it was, in, in a lot of ways, someone commented that it was very similar in, in how it developed to the match we played at Levante early in the season, where we pretty much, um, it, I think we did go in at halftime with a 1-0 lead, but it felt as though we played them off the pitch almost in the first half. And they got, and it ended up somewhat similar trajectory, although more controversial. You remember this was the um, match where we 
um, got called for a penalty early in the second half, I think, that um, that tied it, and then there was a penalty that was um, in the second half later that gave them the win. And I think the thing that concerned me in both matches was that once we got behind, I don't know, I just don't sense that the team, you know, Kaleha makes, makes the changes that he generally makes, but they don't seem to have any real effect. I mean, when was the last time we came from behind to beat somebody or at least, or even snatch a point? It just doesn't feel as though we are, we're incredibly wasteful, I think, when we're dominating. And that, and, and once we go behind, we don't seem to have an answer. Well, and I mean, you all know that I'm the expected goals nerd, right? And so I actually, I, I have, I have no qualms with our overall chance creation from this past weekend. I mean, we had 2.38 expected goals according to Understat, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but two things bothered me. One, we gave up, not counting the, not counting the penalty, we gave up, um, over a goal of expected goals to a team that just doesn't have any strikers. And they, they had six shots inside the box, including, you know, including the penalty and then two of them that were inside the six yard box. Um, and then the other thing that bothered me was at, at this point, I'm starting to wonder, you know, I've kind of been saying all along that, you know, Paco's lack of involvement isn't his fault, but Gerard had seven shots this past weekend. Paco had one. And I'm starting to wonder at some point, like, when is Paco going to get involved? Is it a manager thing that he's not involved? Is it a him thing that he's not involved? I don't understand what the problem is. Mm-hmm. And- I, yeah, I think with, so the Paco, I think that's a, that's an excellent point on Paco. I, I'm not really sure about it. I mean, Sometimes this is sound, it sounds like I'm defending him slightly. Like I said, I, I was slightly disappointed because he kind of came in all guns, guns blazing and then sort of disappeared. As we said, we haven't, he hasn't scored that many. I mean, some of the chances in that game, I kind of felt like he was almost, like Gerard was almost in his way. And I'm not saying that because I thought Gerard was greedy. But as we know, Gerard moves around so much around the pitch that obviously he starts on right wing and then like sometimes he was right in the centre. And I think that probably maybe slightly confuses Paco. And the other thing I might say that when it comes to Paco, I think obviously coming from the German league to the Spanish league, and again, I know this sounds like a bit of an excuse, but adapting to a different league again is is quite challenging. So I know when Spanish players come to the Premier League, it always takes a whole season for them to adapt to it. I know he is Spanish and I know he has played in the Spanish league before and it should have been fairly easy, but I'm wondering if that has a slight impact on it as well. Um and then, yeah, with Leganes and the goals, it's, it, it, yeah, it frankly was disappointing to see it. Like I said, I thought we played well. What'd be interesting, do you, do you think it would have made any difference if Kayeka had actually been on, on the pitch, on pitch side? For me, what I didn't particularly like, so we went down the goal down and he immediately changed it. He panicked. He brought on all those players. And sometimes I think it's better just to leave it because we were playing well and just kind of just carry on as it is and, you know, suddenly start playing again and you know, stick ticks to the same tactics because obviously they worked in the first half. So why panic and change everything when actually we were playing very well and that goal was incredible for one thing and the penalty. Obviously when penalties happen, our heads drop. 
But I, I, yeah, I would have liked to have seen us just carry on with that 4-3-3. It was attacking. It was great in the first half. So we might have well, been able to get the chances back from that. But it was, it was great in the first half, but we were also, I mean, we were also what at the 70th minute when that second penalty got scored. So, I mean, we'd also gone a good chunk of the game without getting the second goal. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I can, I can reasonably understand wanting to change things up at that point. And, and the, most of your your expected goals, two point four three or whatever it was, most I think you said most of those were in the first half, right? Yeah, I believe so. Um, I, the, yeah, there's our two best chances. Yeah, our two best chances were our goal and then Moy Gomez's um, open play miss in the forty fourth minute, and then yeah, we had a couple of decent chances right at the end of the game, but most everything else was early on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that's a good that's a good question. If Kaleja had been down <coughs> pitch side, maybe he would have had a, a different feel about how the game was going. I don't know. I I think the point Zach made though about the about the shots on goal and coming from close in, particularly, I think we are. A bit at the mercy, it seems to me, of our center back pairing. Um, when, if we go back to when we were winning, you know, four or five matches in a row, um, at that time, Albiol and Powell, I would say, were playing at their strongest. That was before Powell went down, I think. And at that point, they were playing really well and we were not seeing these sorts of sorts of chances. And it feels to me, um, I don't know if it has to do with Powell coming back from injury. I don't know if it's, if it's just the pressures of playing it. I mean, it's his first season at the top level and I don't know if he's um, wearing down a bit, you know, mentally from it. I don't know. In Albiol's case, he's obviously much older and I don't know if that's a factor as well, but I'm not seeing in in recent matches. I'm not seeing that pairing working as well as it was earlier in the year. And well, Albiol, in particular, I guess had problems in the second half once um, once uh, Leganes decided to sort of go with a long ball against him. I, I don't think our I don't think our schemes, and this is one of my Kaleho issues. I don't really think our scheme does a whole lot to protect our center backs either. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's one thing, it's one thing to expect, you know, to rely on your center backs to cover for everything when you've got at least one dominant center back and Powell is extremely good. But I don't consider him a dominant, you know, Rafa Varane, Virgil van Dijk kind of, they beat everybody else, but he'll clean it up in the back. That's not who he is yet. And, and I think a lot of times our, our tactics are asking him to be that person and I don't think it's fair. Mm. Mm, yeah, I mean, I I agree. It's a bit surprising how it all works, but um, it's it's just um, when it comes to centre backs, we're never going to be very lucky. I think there's some very interesting. Bit. I think um, I think we've had some interesting comments about the whole Ibora and Zambu in front of that defence. I think the more I think about it, I think Power and Anvil, their improvement over the season. So compared to last year, they're a lot better than what we had. So there's definitely a connection there. They could definitely work together. I think 
Powell coming back from injury, I think it did have a slight impact on him, possibly confidence-wise, possibly injury-wise. Injuries can have a thing. But the guy is still only 20 as well, so he's still got a lot to learn. Mm-hmm. And obviously he's got a lot of weight on his shoulders from us as a defender because obviously we, we want this dream defender. And to be fair, he is a dream's failure. He's absolutely perfect in that role. And I think a couple of years' time, he's going to be one of the best centre-backs in the world. I think in terms of... Yeah, so I mean, like, like I said, that penalty against Leganes, he seemed to fall asleep and panic a bit. Um, and obviously the, maybe his confidence was dented by the, that handball incident last game as well. Uh, I hope it wasn't, but then again, that can have a massive impact on your defender. It's like, it's like a goalkeeper as well. If you have a bad game, it does have an impact on you. Unlike sort of midfielders and strikers who kind of have that, they don't have as much pressure on them, shall we say. Well, and to be fair, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, as, a defend, as a defender, when you literally have your arms behind the back and the ref's calling, it calls a penalty on you. I could see being a little gun shy the next yeah. match because you feel like anything you do could cause, you know, another problem. Definitely, yeah. But I think you um, make, but I think you make a good point that if our, when I think back to how Virial has been, we have, Seldom had, I would say, dominant center backs, right? We have had center backs who, who worked, who were, who were good, but not great, typically. Um, but what we, but the reason why we could get away with that is because we had, we were playing a 4-4-2 with a double pivot up front. You had, you had Bruno, or you had Senna, or you had Rodri. Um, you had somebody who was really, a more defensive midfielder in defensive central midfielder. Oh, and then you had the other person in the Pavot who was more of an offensive player. And when we're playing whatever we tell ourselves we're playing, it does, the reality is we don't have that Rodri type. We still haven't replaced him. He was supposed to be Bruno's replacement and, you know, lasted a year and, and was, and was, um, plucked from us, but we don't, it doesn't feel that maybe that's the problem is it feels to me like we're, like we are, when you're, when you're developing a 20 year old who is a tremendous talent, and I agree with Robin, I think he's going to be one of the best center backs in the world in the next, you know, three or four or five years. But do you put that, you know, you're, you're putting that person out to dry a lot more than you need to if you don't, if you don't have cover for him up front and, and, Maybe that's what we're seeing now is that, is that that becomes evident over the course of a longer season. Yeah, I com- I completely agree with that point. Obviously we've had the whole Zambo and Ibora event, uh, discussion quite a bit. And again, there's more of that on one of the, I think on the game thread. I completely agree. And I, I think as much as Ibora's kind of gone into that role a bit more, he's still not that, def- he's not that centre defensive midfielder. There's something in him. That is not quite attacking, not quite defending. He's kind of almost like an old school centre mid. It's like an almost Fabregas sort of player. It just doesn't work in that position. You need someone. I mean, and I don't think it's anything to do with age either as well. I just, um, there's something in that role. It's like you look at Busquets, Rodri and Bruno, all very, very different ages, but they all pull off that role really, really well. And it's something that you, you need to replace, um, especially like Rodri was in Fantastica by it. You know, like, and you know that because he was never that far up the pitch, but that defensive mid-roll. And we've been talking about formations like 4-3-3 and 4-4-2. 4-4-2 would really work if we did have that defensive midfielder. 
mm-hmm. um, you have that left and you're right. And I always quite, I quite like the diamond formation because it means that player up, up just in front can have a free roam of it. But yeah, Ibora and Zambo, as much as I like Zambo and as much as, uh, I mean, it takes me a while to get, kind of get used to Ibora. At first I didn't really particularly like him very much. He grew on me a bit and then now it's still again, it's hard to work out and hard to put him in his place. And Zambo again, I think we could probably make him into that role if we gave him a lot of time and a lot of space. But again, he's still slightly too attacking minded for that defensive, that defensive midfielder should never go past the halfway line. Um, well, and Ibor and Zambo, I can you find there. So. I hate to be I hate to be over simplistic, but when was the last time you saw somebody pull on a ten shirt, the, the number ten shirt, and play a good defensive midfielding role? I mean, I mean, to me, there's something fundamentally about the makeup of a mindset of a player when he grabs that number ten shirt. It says to me that you're not going to want to sit and cover for 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 center backs all day long. You're going to want to get forwards, which is fine. But we really, kind of like Alan said, we really don't have anyone that fills that true number six role on the team. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I would like maybe, if I think top of my head for Cantera, so since Rodri, since Bruno, the only player I've ever looked at and thought, well, maybe might come back and might be there. Is there do you remember Alexi Garcia that now is at yeah. Man City? Not quite as tall as Rodri and Bruno, but then he was always kind of groomed as a sort of centre defensive midfielder. Uh, I'd like to see him back, um, but obviously there are alternatives out there, and I imagine there's a lot of people listening to this podcast and kind of screaming an alternative. Um, <laughs> but I I can't really think of someone off the top of my head that I re- that I would love us to sign to be in that position because it's quite a difficult role to fill. But yeah, yeah like you said, I don't I don't think we've got anyone in the ranks that can really do that role unless Bruno so Bruno kind of comes out of this weird phase of two years of. <laughs> Potential partial retirement, which still for this day, I have no idea what it's all about. I have no um, idea either. I don't think anybody does. Um, I think, but I, I think that's not going to happen. What about, uh, Morlanus? I mean, he's, he could, could he play that role? Uh, I, I think, I don't really I know probably, about him, to be honest. <laughs> I think he probably could, but I mean, you, you've kind of got that situation where, <sighs> When you're talking about a team that is a borderline contender for making European places, which is realistically where we are right now, mm-hmm. asking someone with no real experience competing at that level to step in and be the guy we rely on is a really big ask. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't actually thinking about it in terms of this year. I was thinking more about is he – he's had a lot of injuries this year, I think, anyway, but – I was thinking more about is that something that he could he could be groomed for? Um, Possibly, but I mean, if he's yeah. it, let's, let's say he's ready for that in three years, the question becomes, what are we going to do for the next two? Yeah, yeah. He's also very similar to Cascaras as well, and you know how that ended up. Yeah, um, yeah. I think yeah. he's more similar to that role than he is, I suppose, the Bruno role. This sort of tall, lanky. <laughs> I mean. Realistically, if you look at Bora, he could, he looks like that role, but he's not. Um, no, I, so, I, always, I always felt with Casteris that if, that if, if he if he had the mindset for the role, he just didn't mm-hmm. have the physical, he didn't have the height and he didn't have the physical strength, it seemed to me. But he had the mindset for it. I don't mm-hmm. think, I, I don't think Ibora, um, well, I know, I mean, as, as Zach said, you know, <laughs> That's not that's not his mindset. 
you know, it's not so much that he, I mean, he, he, there's just a, he's similar to Bruno in terms of body size, but he just doesn't have that sense, that same mentality of this is what I'm going to do when mm. something, you know, is, is coming at me or this is, this is how I'm going to react to, to win the ball back. And that's, that, and that's some, of that, some, some of that might be managerial too as well. And the, the example I would use for this is, um, is, is Casemiro, right? So Casemiro is the, is the anchor in that defensive midfield role for three years under, under Zidane and Rafa Benitez before him. Both Zidane and Benitez are both really, you know, great managers. And then, um, and then last year, Lopetegui and Solari show up and Casemiro is bombing forward all the time and leaving, you know, leaving defenders completely uncovered in the back. And then Zidane shows back up. And all of a sudden, Casemiro is back to playing where he was before. I think sometimes it's incumbent upon a manager to just be the boss in the room and say, no, this is what you're going to do. And so in the case of both Zambo and Ibora, if neither one of them are really complying to that role, at some point you ask the question, why isn't the boss making them comply to that role? Well, yeah, I, I hear that. And certainly if you think about, if you think about what, what the role of each player is, it has changed since they arrived. I mean, even this season, Zambo has gotten more involved in attacking as the season has gone on than, than originally, um, he did. Um, and I think he was, while I love to, see, you know, I, I love to see him kind of hyperventilate as he realizes he gets close to the box and, you know, it's like, oh my God, realistically, his, his most effective, um, period of play for us has been when he was um, a, a more of a defensive mid and seldom going past the halfway line or or seldom getting close to the box. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That that could be that could well be that that's a manager that's a manager thing. So what do what what's Galea's future? I mean if if we don't make it into Europe this year do you think we're looking for a replacement? Do you think we should be looking for a replacement? Uh, we absolutely should be looking for a replacement if a lineup with this much talent cannot make Europe in the worst La Liga I've seen in probably five years. Okay. Yeah, um, after the last games, well, I know I'm sort of – the over positive one, I guess, the one that's probably a bit more deluded by it. Um, I certainly don't think we should change him at this point because, I mean, sometimes it's good for a new manager to come in. But, I mean, as long as we can get someone in or as a name put into the ring that can actually do something, I don't really want to just see us replacing with someone else. It's going to take another two years to kind of develop the squad get the way of thinking. You know, it happened with sort of uh, Garcia last, you know, when he took over from Kayeka. Nothing really changed at that point. So what I would love to see is if, you know, if, if we got Pellegrini or Emery, which have names been floated around obviously for obvious reasons, that would be fantastic. I could see us replacing him. But I, I want to see someone actually that's, you know, I like to see us invest in a, in a good manager that's got a good reputation, not just someone that's had one season in quite quite good conditions but someone that's going to change a squad and implement their identity on the squad, like Marcelino did, like Pellegrini did, uh, rather than just someone that we 
see as a kind of safe option, and then we're going to be in exactly the same situation at the end of next year. Um, so, Robin, I got a question for you. Go for it. If, if so, because we all, we all know Villarreal is a fiscally responsible club. So, if from a money perspective, if your choices were either sign Unai Emery or Manuel Pellegrini, whoever you prefer, as manager and then not have enough money to get a new left back or <laughs> sign or sign like, you know, a, a less prominent manager, but you know, that, that we're taking a little bit more of a risk on, but then have the money to sign the extra player, which would you ever rather have the extra player or the higher profile manager? I'd, I'd say at this point, the manager, because as I'm sure you agree, we've got the squad for it. So I don't think we need to do any major improvements to the squad. If we need to get a defensive midfielder, then I think you can pick them up for a reasonably good price. I make them sound like a car now. Um, <laughs> but I think a, a manager that's going to be long term that we know can do something and, is no, and is, can really secure themselves for the next couple of seasons, then that's, I think that's value for money more than signing a really good player. I mean, I think when we signed Paco, it was almost like that was kind of the sign that we actually have the squad. You know, that was kind of like a finalized signing to the fans that we've got this star player, but we're not going to be investing in anything major because we feel like we've got the squad. So mm-hmm. yeah, I would definitely go with, go with a, a new manager that's going to set us in, in, set us in the role. I'd like to see Kayeka still remain at the club in a way. Um, I, I can't see him obviously being an assistant coach or anything, but maybe some, someone that can take a role within the club and maybe develop his own skills and maybe come back in a, in a couple of years or maybe find, you know, he finds a club within the league that suits him, second division or something. And then maybe possibly for the future, because he, like, in no way do I want to be ageist, but he is quite young for a manager. Um, so having a bit more experience, I think might have helped him a bit more, but yeah, I would like to see a new manager. Um, how about you, Alan? What do you think about that one? That's a very good question. <laughs> think, okay, I think first of all, I'm, I think that I would, um, tell you that my guess would be if I were being asked to make this decision, I would hire Paco Lopez from Levante. Oh, right. And the reason is because he, don't forget, you know, he coached um, in our, in our, um, in our Cantera for four years was, you know, was, was, was very good. Um, he strikes me as a coach who, um, it, I, I keep thinking back to when we had to make the decision about once we got relegated, what we were going to do. And remember that we had agreed to hire, um, Preciado from Sporting Gijon. And of course he tragically passed away the day that we hired him. Um, but he was a similar profile manager, albeit had been around for longer than, than Paco Lopez has, but similar in that everybody was like, Oh, that's great. He's done a really good job with a team that didn't have all the, all the support of, of Virial, didn't have the, um, didn't have the budget of Virial. That's a great hire because now you'll be able to see what he can do with that budget. And, and I kind of feel like Paco Lopez is that way. I, so to me, if I were looking at the end of the season, 
that's who I would be looking at because I don't think I think Pellegrini is. I mean, yeah, we all remember what he was like with Virial and every and everything, and that's great. But legends don't often succeed a second time in the same place. Um, Emery, I would I would actually say would be my choice in as much as Emery um, has always, you know, whenever he was coaching against Villarreal, he's so thoroughly prepared and, and so he analyzes things to get the very best out of his squad. He's similar to Marcelino, though, in that you can only take that for a certain amount of time. <laughs> um, so I would say, I would think, though, Villarreal are unlikely to spend that much money on a, on on a coach. I, I would say if we decide to replace Calleja, I would, I would think Paco Lopez would be a good, good choice. With, with Paco though, um, so correct me if this is wrong, there's not, no way of criticism because I, I agree, I think he's a great manager, we liked him. Isn't his style three at the back? He likes three at the back, doesn't he? Or is that my imagination? Well, if I, if I had, if I had Levante's lineup, I'd probably want to do something more defensive as well, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to say what he'd do if he had as much talent as he'd have if he came over here. Yeah, I mean, I think at, what I've seen at Levante is that he's, you know, they're basically going into most matches looking at his job has basically been to sort of keep them up and keep them out of danger and. When they go into matches, a lot of the times they're, they're, they know they're going to be outmanned. I mean, they don't have the talent, um, especially in midfield. They've got some good midfielders, but they don't have enough support overall. So they have to play more defensively. I, I think though that he would be, I think he would be very good at, um, it doesn't strike me that he's a manager who's going to, who's going to say, well, my style is this way and you're going to have to play this way. But I think he's, I think he's got the respect of players in the Levante dressing room. I think he earned that when he came and basically kept them up after they had pretty much given up. Um, so I think he could be a, I think he could be a good hire. Well, by you, Zach, what do you think? Well, answering your own question. <laughs> well, I, um, I, you know, the, the, the type of Paco Lopez type signing seems to me like the, the kind of hire that we're likely to make. Yeah. Um, I'm a huge fan of Pellegrini. I thought he got a raw deal at Manchester City. I thought that he didn't realize how, just quite how dysfunctional West Ham was when he walked in there. I think he's still a good manager. Um, yeah. Emery, I think has, was just, in over his head trying to manage the egos at Arsenal and PSG. I think there's still a really good manager in there. Um, but I think what part of the, part of the question that Villarreal needs to ask itself, and it, this kind of came up in your article a bit this week, Robin, was, um, what, what do we expect as a fan base? Like, what are we going to be disappointed with? What are we going to be satisfied with? What do we, what should we expect from the club as a fan base? Because if the club expects to be in Europe every single year and maybe compete for the Copa del Rey, then you sign Unai Emery, you sign Manuel Pellegrini, and you, you back them in the transfer market. If, hey, we're staying up and we're, you know, we make Europe 50% of the time and we win a couple cup games, but we didn't ever going to win any trophies. If that's okay, then, you know, guys like, 
Parker Lopez might be just like the peak and maybe you land on one of those guys that explodes into something more and that's just kind of what you do. So what, what do you think the expectations for the club ought to be? It's always so hard to tell, isn't it? Because at the end of it all, Roy's a businessman. So, but I never thought he bought the club in terms of money. I mean, the Champions League brings money and prestige, but I think we are a very long way off, regardless of what managers we get, of being the, that top four side. I mean, coming second in La Liga at one point, that was an absolute dream. But I think the fans' expectations is to think sometimes is that we have been Champions League regularly. But a lot of times when we've been in the season of the Champions League, we've completely fallen. Uh, we haven't had a good season in the Champions League. You know, the season that we, I think we were like in the Champions League and we got relegated the same season. So it's, it's so hard to tell, but I think that's disillusioned some fans in the expectation that we're always going to be in that situation. I'm not going to say that those seasons were down to luck, but I think generally it's hard to put a perspective on it because I think all the teams have changed the dynamic of the teams. And you look at the Premier League and you look at different leagues and stuff. These other teams, the lower teams are doing really well. I mean, Look at Getafe, for example. Like no one, I think, like five years ago, would have imagined that they would be in top four Champions League and taking on Roma. They've always been a quite good and stable side, but they're never in the Champions League. So again, I'm not really answering the question so much. But then I think that kind of explains the confusion for most fans that we don't really know what our expectations are. We've always been this kind of happy-go-lucky. We go into a season and we just see whatever the hell happens because one season we're in top four, next minute we're in relegation zone. So. It's, it's so crazy being a VRL fan, but then what, at the end of you, all, that's kind of what we love about it. <laughs> what do you think, Alan? Well, you know, I, I, I will tell you that this is a question that, that, yeah, I mean, the fan base asks itself a lot, and it's not just limited to here. I think you see the dichotomy in Spain. Um, I know when, when Elisa and I went to a match in Villarreal, you definitely saw the the older fans the the ones who who you know are i would say you know the the most of your season ticket fan base they're they pretty much want the team to stay up you know they 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 enjoy premierly they enjoy la liga football they they enjoy the fact that this that this is the thing that has put their town on the map um and the region on the map but I think they, I think they'd be happy with sort of, yeah, if we get into Europa League many years, if we get into Champions League every now and then and we have a really great season we can remember, that's, that's great. But the most important thing is not to get relegated. And I think Senior Roy kind of feels like that as a businessman too, because I think his biggest fear, I don't think he's, he, I think he really got burned in the 2010, 12 period where um, the club had really extended itself um, as far as pushing out contracts and bonuses to players um, for for the performance in Europe, and then everything fell apart. And it didn't help that it that it was coincident with the Spanish um, recession and, and worldwide recession that really affected his companies. Um, I think it's the younger fans who, who, you know, are, are more likely to let off with the tweets about how, you know, why can't we sign, um, you know, Leo Messi and, <laughs> you know, and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely people who want, who want, who feel that we can and should do better. 
I think the real is I think this year there's a feeling of this is really disappointing because as Zach said, the league is overall isn't great. And you look at our talent on paper, and this is a season where you would think, gee, we could have slotted into third or fourth if things had gone right. Um, but overall, I, I think while people, people would love it if Senior Roig hired Pellegrini and Emery, but I don't think he's going to, I don't think that's how he would do it. I could be uh, wrong, but I just So, don't. so my, my thing is, and, and this is, and Robin, you did the same thing on the answer to that question that you did to the, in your article earlier this week, and it frustrated me, but I was locked out of my chorus account, so I couldn't go on there and comment. Um, I was surprised there was nothing like. <laughs> I know. I, I, I've been. I, I've had IT issues with trying to get to my core stuff all week. It's been driving me nuts. But anyway, the um, you, you immediately went to talking about top four, and, and and to me, there's a distinct difference between expecting your team to be in the Champions League and saying we're in a country that has seven slots available for Europe. Why can't we have one of them? Mm-hmm. And, and, and to me, you know, I, going back to back years without European football, which is what would happen if the season ended today, which, hey, who knows it might, mm-hmm. um, it is, it to me is ridiculous for the amount of talent we have. And so, so to me, it's one of those things making, being in one of the two European competitions every, you know, three out of every four years. You know, it isn't even setting the bar that high to me. It's not like saying, oh, we should go sign Lionel Messi. It's not saying, oh, we should go get this massive, gigantic manager. It's just saying we're more talented than Hatafe is. We're, we're, we're frankly, I think we're more talented than uh, Valencia is. We're, you know, we're, why, why in the world is it like acceptable to finish behind Valencia? Like, I don't understand that. So to me, it just, Finishing somewhere in the European places, I'd be thrilled. Let the coach yeah. come back. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the thing that I that I I kind of agree with that is I don't think top four is. I think top four is something that you can't we can't push the budget out there and and get the coaching higher to expect that every year. But I but I do agree with you, and I think fans are very all fans. And especially very all fans in, in, in the, our main catchment area, Viriel and environs have become quite jaded because year after year, you know, oh, I renewed my season ticket and here's my, here's my information about what we're doing for the Europa League, right? I mean, every year we were, we were qualifying for it. Um, the year we got back after being promoted, we got in the, in the Europa League that, that, that very next year. And so I think people have this have this sense of they, they feel entitled to it, and maybe if we do indeed go a second year without Europe, I think that might actually put some I want to say pressure on Senior Royce because I I don't think he has to feel pressure, but I think he may be thinking of it that that way too that you know ultimately for the long term good of of his project, that's how he needs to look at things is we need to, you know, we need to get into Europa League most, I would say most years or at least be fighting for it in almost every year. And if we have a year where everything comes together and we end up in Champions League, great. But, you know, you can't, you can't, what history tells you is if you, if you try to build a team that gets into Champions League, 
it's not going to get there for very long because your players are going to be plucked by other teams. And you need a lot of money to sort of do it. I know we did it for a while, top four, but I don't, again, I don't think we put massive amount of money on it. And that's why I kind of draw comparisons with Leicester because they got into the Champions League. They had a fantastic season. But then the season before that, they were relegation zone. They were top yeah. 16, top 10. So that's kind of where, but I mean, I, I agree with this season. Like in terms of Kayeka, he's had time enough to approve it. Um, to push those places and develop and stuff, and we're not seeing those results. So I definitely feel that if we're, at least, if we're not in Europe this season, then I think we can definitely class the season as a as a failure in terms of the squad, in terms of the players. In terms of him, personally, it will be a successful season, and I'm sure that's what he'll go with, and that's maybe what the board have to consider as well. And then maybe possibly next season, would we would it change at all? Would he would we be in the Champions League now? It's even more established that that's because it's so up and down all the time. For me, mm. as a Villarreal fan, I kind of just I like to go into each season and just see what happens. I mean, every season I put a bet on Villarreal being in the top four. So and I've <laughs> never haven't got any money in quite a long time. So um, I never really know what to think of it. I, I I do like I like what we are as a club, and I like that we don't sign massive amount of players. For me, that Paco signing that amount of money on Paco, but actually the money when you look at Paco for a def- striker, his quality is almost like a bargain, really, um, mm-hmm. for the amount of money we pay for him. And it's I still because I I think my expectation is basically because I was a Chelsea fan for up until about two thousand and four. That's realistic. Then all that money came in. I just didn't felt no connection with the club at all. And I wouldn't like us to spend all that money just to get in the Champions League. I think we can get in the Champions League on our own merit, whether that's with Kayeka or a different one. But I would like us to, I, would, I also agree. I would like to see us in Europa League. I personally don't really like watching us in the Europa League because I feel like we always mess it up. Um, I've been, to, I went, I just remember that game that we went to, Alan. Do you remember the Liverpool game where yeah. we went to? The VRL, the home, they were fantastic. They got to Liverpool and they absolutely panicked. Yeah. Well, basically, the Scousers were chucking rocks out of the bus, so I'm not really surprised they were slightly daunted. But, um, so I'm always disappointed with us in Europe. I'm always happy with us in the league, even if we get relegated, because I think we put our all. But Champions League and Europa League always kind of disappoints me a bit, which I feel quite, is quite a negative thing to say. But I'm always very nervous when we're, because sometimes what we do, we do really well in the league, we get that European spot, and then the next season we're on borderline relegation zone in Europa League. So it's, it's bonkers being a VRL fan, it really but, is. I'm but what's, stressful. what's crazy is, what's crazy is that this squad, top to bottom, is deeper than a lot of the teams that we've had play in Europe. I mean, you know, so some of that inconsistency, I, I think wouldn't be a problem with this set of players if they were being properly managed. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're going to have to wind it up here, but I think I I tend to agree with you that that if we we actually have a fairly deep roster, um, and that would be something to talk about another time is you know the fact that we have a really deep roster, but we don't seem to be using um a, a lot of it. <laughs> but I you know I I will tell you, but I think from what I gather, uh, you know, Senior Raj is not. As Robin says, you need to spend a ton of money to, to really compete in Champions League. And if you get there, you need to spend a ton more money to stay there. I don't see him doing that because I think ultimately he, he put, he puts just as much value in the Cantera and all the youth programs and everything like that as part of Villarreal as, as the first team. He wants the first team to do well and be in Europe and, and so forth because that 
you know, generates more income for the whole project that generates more viability for the whole project. But, you know, he's not going to go out there and suddenly um, do something that if it backfires, the whole the whole house of cards comes down. So, you know, that's you know, I don't know what will be decided about Kaleha. I think an interesting question, which maybe we will get into if it happens, is, you know, if the season ends today, does that make any difference in the decision? I don't know. But um, I think we're I think it's safe to say all of us are are looking at it and saying, you know, this is a a more talented team than their league position shows. This is a more talented team than than their performances show. Just as, sorry, just as a, as a final question, do you think, do you think we will sack him if we don't make Europe? But like, say we get to like eighth, ninth, do you think we'll sack him or do you think we'll keep with him? Um, uh, good question. I honestly don't know. I think a lot, I think a lot of it, and this is why I think if the season gets suspended or something and doesn't get finished, say if we, if it ends now, I don't, I don't think we sack him because I think we, I, I just don't see it. If it turns out that we come, I think it really depends on what the team looks like and how close they get. If, if they end up finishing seventh and only six teams go or they finish eighth or ninth, but they're really fighting until the last week and, and then I think he might, then I think he stays. If it turns out that we don't get into Europe and we basically are kind of playing out the string for the rest of the season, then I think he goes. I think that if this, if we end up taking like several weeks off to try to avoid this virus and then it comes back, then even if he doesn't make Europe, he's going to be able to walk into that boardroom and say, look, this was the weirdest season schedule in the history of football. Give me one more go at this. And I think they probably will, which I think is a shame because we're tied on points with Granada, which is just the most mm-hmm, mm-hmm. grind my nerves insulting thing ever. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. You're probably yeah, you're probably it's right. Just, it's so weird, isn't it? And that's the thing. That's why I was sort of trying to get out. Is that on paper, if you don't look at the points, it's like top. It's like eighth. You're pushing Europa. You're better than last season. And that's where I can see his argument being, and what the squad look, uh, what the board look at, is that on paper, it doesn't matter how well we played or all the stupid results or the stupid games what we lost. If we are eighth then that's actually not too bad on paper for a season compared to last season. I, I think it's been shocking. Some of the games have been appalling, and I completely agree on that. And with the talent records we have, we should be up there at least fifth, fourth. Europa League should be set in stone at this point. But then you look at it on paper, it's not as bad compared to like last season anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it'd be very interesting. I, like I said, I... And also, I think it's also down to the other managers available because if there aren't anyone particular in mind that they would really like and think they could do a better job, then I think the board would probably stick with Kayaka. Um, so it's, it's interesting, interesting times. Yeah, that's, that's true. Well, let's see how, what I think we'll probably know more about the league in, um, by next week. We'll know whether, if it's suspended, how long or, or what's going on. And that might um, give us a bit of a different take on on the whole question, depending on, on what the league is. But we should probably wind it up for today. And uh, but that's great. You know, we had had a bunch of conversation about something that we hope matters. But who knows? We could be here in a couple of weeks saying no, no more football until the fall. We just don't know. 
So anyway, for Zach and uh, for Robin, this is Alan. Thank you for listening and in the Van